Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. We're your hosts. I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Master Ryuho Okawa. Ryuho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. Okay, so today we have chapter two of The Laws of Messiah, What the Messiah Should Say and Do Now, Showing the Way at the Turning Point of Human History. This is the second part of our series by Master Ryuho Okawa, The Laws of Messiah. It's such a powerful book and it's so important. So this year it will be available in 20 different languages. So we're really excited for that. And we, of course, are English readers. So we're going to talk about our reading of this chapter. So going over to my partner, John, you know, this is a really important chapter. It talks a lot about communism and about the Messiah's role in this world. What stood out to you or what caught your eye? Oh, yeah, this was a great chapter. I liked that, you know, leading into where the book, the direction that the book goes from here, it, you know, Master Okawa provided sort of an overview of previous messiahs or at least prophets, uh, specifically in relation to the history of Jewish people. And I thought that was really useful to see where there were perhaps limitations to figures such as Moses, Jeremiah, uh, and Jesus. I thought that the uh, discussions about the impact of the use of atomic bombs in the 20th century and the rise of UFO sightings and space people in general uh, becoming a bit more involved in Earth from that time was significant. And the discussion about communism, there's three dangers of communism that are discussed that I thought are, if we were going to sum it up, I mean, that's as good as it gets. And there was one final point that really stuck out to me. And it's the last part of the chapter, and it says, even if it's a small battle, if it is symbolic, fight strongly and win. And I felt that that's something really all of us can take into our daily lives as part of this battle that we're really all living in the midst of. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing you talked about the uh, messiahs of the past, right? And how basically a strong country at those times were trying to pressure and put limits on the power of those messiahs. And when these messiahs rise, somehow this strong country is always there to oppose them or to try and bind them. And that is a kind of struggle that messiahs have to go through, that they are not free to decide everything, that they are being imposed upon by stronger powers. And then they have to battle through that. And how they deal with that adversity is something that, you know, makes a legacy for them in history. And, you know, today we are seeing the greatest messiah, Master Iho Okawa, trying to give his teachings, but not all the countries in the world accept his message. And there's very powerful countries that are trying to stop what he's doing because they disagree with his values and opinions. So that gets back to the root of communism. Communism is so dangerous. And one of the reasons it's dangerous is because it does suppress religious teachings and religious power. But that was just like the thing that we saw over the past 100 years, especially, you know, the Marxist countries, which became communist, they really decided to go full atheist as their national policy. And that has had a negative impact on the world. And we've seen that in terms of, uh, you know, mass murder and other heinous acts that cannot usually occur, except in the case where people don't believe in God and they think murder is okay. Right. 
Yeah. So could you go over the uh, the dangers of communism so that our, our readers have a better understanding of these kind of dangers? Absolutely. Um, so the first one listed is that affirmation of violence will provoke mass murder. Hmm. And so we, if we were to look at the history of communist nations, there was sort of an acceptance of violence as a means to achieving what they perceived it to be national prosperity. Um, you know, so for example, uh, when Mao initially uh, took power in communist China, um, groups of people were allowed to use violence against like landowners locally. And this was totally acceptable. Um, so, and you know, even today, you know, if we look at China again, you know, uh, the use of violence, whether it's through putting people in labor camps or just violence to enforce laws, it has this basis in a very materialist and scientist uh, or scientific worldview. And, you know, the idea is that without having that sense of faith, that there's a moral and ethical consequence to these things, it's kind of just the by any means necessary attitude, mm -hmm. which causes there to be a total loss of values. Um, the second danger listed is uh, the spirit of hard work and capitalism is lost with communism. And so... Where, you know, in an economic situation where money really doesn't have value or where there's limitations on on what prosperity can mean, you know, so for example, uh, if someone makes a lot of money and then it's taken from them and uh, redistributed so as to have, for in the name of so-called equality, people won't have the drive to work hard and people won't have the drive to create prosperity in their nation. There would be no purpose to it. And so... What would happen is you kind of create a sort of passive, for lack of a better term, perhaps lazy uh, mm -hmm. nation. Um, you know, I, I know uh, someone that I knew who grew up in the Soviet Union. He had told me once that he worked in an office as a computer programmer early, you know, in early computer programming in perhaps the 1970s, early 80s. And nobody worked. They all just sat in the office. And as long as it was written down, on record that they worked and they didn't actually have to do anything and they were still paid and it wasn't enforced. So this is the equality that, and maybe that sounds good to some people, but I think that that's, uh, it equates kind of a meaningless nihilistic atheist existence. And mm -hmm. perhaps that is the point. If we look at it from the spiritual forces behind what is uh, in communism. And I think that brings us to the third danger of communism, which is that faithlessness will give rise to tyrants. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have faith in God, then what happens is that nations where uh, atheism is the predominant worldview essentially deify totalitarian leaders. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, Mao in China is looked at like a god. Uh, Kim Jong-un and his family in North Korea are looked at like a divine family. Mm -hmm. um, Stalin was looked at like a god. Uh, you know, uh, people in the Soviet Union believed that Stalin had like this sort of omnipotent awareness of mm. everything that everybody was doing at any given time. And so they were all afraid, even if they were, you know, by themselves in their home, they, he was listening. And, you know, so this, whereas, you know, if that sense of faith is kept, a nation can never get to that point. We're never going to deify uh, people. And I think it's so important. I mean, I, I think today, like, you know, it, just in the United States, I think we saw a lot of people almost deify people like, uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, they sort of are at these very powerful and financially prosperous positions, but they're just humans, you know, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, there's a, there's a significant difference. 
Yeah, you really covered a lot of good topics there, and we could go into each one, you know, if we had more time. But you know, it's essentially that's those three dangers are also the very same reasons communism doesn't work in the long run, and it just leads to suffering and hatred and uh, anger and warfare. So that's why we we uh, advocate freedom, democracy, and faith. Or Master Yohokawa, in his books, teaches that. And when he says, you know, revolutions are sometimes necessary, but the purpose of revolution is to create freedom. And freedom must be based on faith. It can't be a, like a self-serving freedom. So that's what kind of differentiates the good revolutions from the bad ones. And it gives meaning and purpose to political change. So I think that's why uh, we should study this book in general so that we can understand what true freedom really is. But, uh, you know, you mentioned at the end there about the uh, UFOs, but I think Master Okawa, he is basically trying to say, no more secrets. It's time to let the people know what's really going on and that there are interactions taking place between human beings and extraterrestrials. And that's part of his spiritual abilities that he's able to reveal to us. And, you know, I've actually had this experience. I know many people have had these experiences where they go and see a lecture of his and they come across some kind of lights in the sky or some kind of, you know, divine presence. And they notice, oh, maybe those are UFOs and they take photos of them. And this kind of situation occurs often because when there is a messiah, the universe is watching him. They're trying to see what he's doing so that they can learn too. They're students in a way. They're trying to learn from a spiritual teacher who they don't have on their planet. So they're, you know, watching over us. And that's why there's been so many of these interactions throughout time. It's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, people travel a long distance to see Master Kava's lectures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought traveling to Japan is far, <laughs> but it's not, you know, galaxies. So. <laughs> It'd be nice to have some of their equipment, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, just going back to the book, it's one other point I really wanted to mention strongly is that if we look at the 21st century, the 20th century, and even a little bit before that, the things did not turn out exactly as they should have. And the Messiah is here to try and show us that history has kind of gone the wrong direction in some ways. And he's here to kind of correct the course. And so there's a lot of talk about the war, especially World War II and the post-war period, and how that wasn't necessarily dealt with in the right way. And that's kind of leading to the collapse of these important institutions and beliefs and values that we need in order to survive today. Yeah, I really appreciated that notion of like the fact that it would have been so incredibly difficult to predict the course of the 20th century from the year 1900. Mm. And yet in retrospect, from the year 2000, let's say, we can look back and understand uh, in a very different way. And, you know, when you were saying that just before, a thought came to me that, like, there's this saying that hindsight is always 2020. But mm -hmm. I think that if we can learn to see the world through God's eyes, which is something Master Okawa teaches us, then I don't think it has to be 2020. I think mm -hmm. that we can actually look forward and still have that clear insight. Yeah, yeah, it comes down to making the right value judgments at the right times in history and making the correct adjustments. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we kind of talked about different topics here, but there's so much more you can learn. So I highly 
recommend getting this book for yourself, but not only for yourself, it's very easy to get this book nowadays with these modern technologies. So if you can order this book, it is a really great gift for your family or friends. And you can really help the world become better by helping people understand the importance of freedom based on faith and the Messiah's role in today's society, and then kind of get that enlightened awareness that comes along with that. So you can find it online at amazon.com. You can also find it at uh, bookstores such as Barnes and Noble. And if you'd like to learn more, you can find it on okawabooks.com. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, though. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive.